I think the lawsuit's seeking three things. Can you walk through those? Yes, it's it's uh, seeking um, declaratory judgment, which basically says that we have a right to sue and that we have a real problem and and it that this is legit a legitimate concern. And then it's it seeks injunctive relief, which would basically say take that rate increase that happened January 1, 2024, and and move it back to what it was previously, where we'd be only overpaying 16%. That, that's the second piece of it. And then the third, yep. third piece is asking for uh, damages. And I did have three companies join OTA in this lawsuit, and they've defined how much they've overpaid in just two years. And it comes close to, for three Oregon, small Oregon-based companies, it amounts to close to a million dollars. So you can only imagine how much it really is if all the companies um, had engaged in this. But we did reserve the right in that lawsuit to turn this into a class action lawsuit. Hey, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Caution Wide Right. It's just another trucking podcast. I'm Luke, your host. And today we're going to talk about trucking companies overpaying taxes in Oregon. That's my home state. And the industry is finally standing up and suing the state. That's right. The Oregon Trucking Association and some of their members are in a lawsuit against the state of Oregon because the trucking industry is overpaying taxes by over 30%. The state knows about the problem. There's no plans to fix it. And the taxes are increasing in 2024. So talk about unfair. I'm excited to have Jana Jarvis, president of Oregon Trucking Association, now for nine years, here to help us walk through what the lawsuit means and how it could, how it could change trucking taxes in the state. Jana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good morning, Luke. It's nice to be here today. Appreciate yes. the invitation. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. Uh, now, there's a lot that we can talk about here, and we'll we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the lawsuit, but let's start with the basics. Let's sort of roll the clock back to 2017. This is when a $5.3 billion infrastructure law uh, was passed in the state with a 10-year plan that included sort of three things uh, that I'm going to touch on. It's increasing the gas tax on you know, normal cars and trucks by the pump for 10 cents uh, in by 2024. It called for plans to toll some Portland roads and bottlenecks. And the biggest factor for trucking, it, to increase the weight mileage tax, because the state's not a fuel tax system, uh, from about 16 cents per mile to over 25 cents per mile uh, in 2024. And I'm just curious, how has this 2017 transportation bill rolled out actually played out? Well, that's a good question, Luke. And in fact, the OTA took a position in favor of House Bill 2017, which increases our weight mile tax 53% over that yeah. period of time. 53% was a huge increase. Uh, light vehicles uh, took an increase of about 25%, just for a basis of comparison. But we did it because there were some huge problems in the Portland metro region that needed to get fixed. And the biggest of those was the Rose Quarter project. That's the only two-lane section of urban freeway between Canada and Mexico. 
and it is long overdue. It needed to be fixed, and we were willing to pay the price to get that fixed. That section of freeway feeds Oregon's economy, essentially, because anything that comes in and out of the port, most of the major manufacturing, anything going east, all have to converge through that section of freeway. And it was increasingly important to us to fix it. It was on one of the Atri's top 100 bottleneck lists, uh, high up on the list, that along with the I-5 bridge that crossed the Columbia River crossing, the formerly known as the Columbia River crossing. Yes, so those two projects because... are very important to us. The bridge was not part of the package. I thought so. Because uh, that was going to be handled separately. And there was a lot of momentum to move the bridge forward. But that Rose Quarter piece uh, is extremely important to us. And there's quite frankly, I as I remind my friends who are focused on getting the new bridge that without fixing the Rose Quarter, the, there'll be minimal impact yeah. Um, yeah. for fixing the bridge. So that was the reason. Uh, there was another project in that was the I-205. Uh, trucks that want to bypass Portland typically take 205 and it's getting increasingly congested as well. It has made the top 100 bottleneck list uh, some years. I noticed this year it is not on it, but in previous years it's it's been on it as well. And that was to rebuild the Abernathy Bridge and expand. There's a section of two-lane freeway uh, from the Abernathy Bridge over to Stafford Road, and that was to add a third lane there. So those were two projects that were really important to us. Uh, the Abernathy Bridge project, the rebuild of that, making it seismically sound, expanding it, adding lanes, that is uh, underway. And that, and yeah. I drive that every single day to get to my office. Yep. But the three lanes uh, has not moved forward and looks like it won't move forward without some additional funding. Yep. All right. So, uh, and we can talk a little bit more on this too, and that's, that's awesome. So what are the taxes used for? So the weight mileage tax, the vehicle mileage, or the, the, for the, for the smaller vehicles, the, the fuel tax, what are those taxes actually supposed to be used for? These projects, right? Those those revenues go into what's called a highway trust fund, and that is right. supposed to be used only on road, roadway sort of projects or projects that benefit the roads. And increasingly, there are dollars out of that fund going to bike ped projects, which is allowable. Right. Um, the statute recalls for a 1% to go to bike ped, and right now, uh, ODOT spending about 6% of the revenue on bike ped projects. They lost a lawsuit that was brought years ago um, from the Americans with Disability Act, if I remember correctly, but it was they need to do curb cuts um, on all the state highways around the state. And that's about a billion dollar project. Wow. So some of that money is going to be put into, into those projects as well. In fact, enough money to fix the Rose Quarter, quite frankly, is going into <laughs> curb cuts. So... Well, that's what I was wondering, because the, the next question then comes down to if these projects aren't being finished or, you know, they're being delayed or maybe even more cost increases, whatever, is there money sitting around because of these taxes or are they just being funneled in, uh, into other things, hoping to be funneled in other things? Well, in all fairness to ODOT, their costs have increased significantly. Uh, yeah. And part of it could be a result of the pandemic. We all know that inflation is, has hit construction hard. So not only are materials costs up, but labor costs are up dramatically. And so their buying power is significantly less today. In fact, um, there's a request in um, 
and has been a request in for additional funding just so they could plow the roads uh, when, yep. with, when the big we had snowfalls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So ODOT doesn't have a whole lot of uh, money right now for maintenance and operations because yep. most of that money has been earmarked for specific projects. And so they are, I'm not suggesting they aren't in a fiscal crisis themselves. The problem is, it is this is an issue isn't about how much money they should or shouldn't have. Correct. It's about that fact that we are overpaying our fair share of what is coming into them. Look, fuel and weight mileage tax management is complicated. I mean, did you know that if you ever plan to travel through Kentucky, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, and Connecticut, you must have an account and file your mileage? or even a temporary trip permit to haul in some states. On top of this, you need to have an IFTA account to file your fuel taxes for many of the other states. And there are unique rules, exemptions, and registration requirements for each of these states. You don't want to face the heavy fines that can be imposed on carriers for not following the rules. Our team of compliance specialists can help you get licensed quickly and accurately and our IFTA fuel tax specialists will work with you to collect your data, ensure your fuel and mileage match, prepare your filings, and even file the paperwork for you. We promise to compile and file completed IFTA tax returns on time, compile and file mileage tax returns for the Kentucky, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, and Connecticut, create detailed miles per gallon reports by truck, division, and fleet, have paper driver trip reports or paperless GPS data management. Give you 24-7 access to our online portal to see past IFTA filings. Give you online backup for fuel receipts and trip permits. Help you with fuel tax training and tax reduction strategies and more. Then, if you ever get audited by IFTA or the unique states, we take many specific steps in preparing you for the audit. If you have any questions or want to learn more, just call or email us, or you can fill out the form down below and one of our field tax specialists will help you out. All right, so let's talk about that. So vehicle, you know, my normal cars going down the road, trucks going down the road versus semi-trucks, passenger vehicles. Everybody's paying tax on road use, wherever they're being taxed, however being they're being taxed, they're at least still being taxed how is it unfair? What's what's that look like? Well, I'm going to challenge one statement you just made before I answer okay. your question, and that is one of the issues that is feeding to the declining revenues that ODOT is experiencing is the fact that Oregon has been aggressively promoting electric vehicles, and yes. there's an increasing amount of uh, electric vehicles that are on our roadways that have paid us a modest uh, increased registration fee because they're electric, but it certainly doesn't compensate for their costs of using the roads. So everybody isn't paying is yep. my underlying premise. So I'll I'll put my marker down there on that one. Well, and I'll and I'll add to that. I mean, you got uh, increased uh, gas mileage in other vehicles, hybrids, and other things also play into that. Less going to the pump, right, to pay for to pay for it. See, so we're all buying. Yep cars that have higher fuel efficiencies. So while we're paying less and less at the pump because we're getting more and more efficient vehicles, uh, inflation is impacting the buying power at ODOT. So their revenue stream to actually deliver the projects they've been asked to deliver is dwindling. And, and I yes. understand their issue and their problem. Um, 
that that's a that's needs to be addressed. But in Oregon, we are the only state in the nation that relies exclusively on what we call weight mile taxes from right. the heavy vehicle industry. And in Oregon, anything over 10,000 pounds is considered a heavy vehicle. And so um, actually at 26,000 pounds, trucks have to register and pay the weight mile tax here in the state. And we have 88 different tax classifications. It's a yeah. very complicated, burdensome system of taxation. Right. Uh, it's expensive for trucking companies to comply with. It's expensive for the agency to monitor and ensure uh, compliance with. Uh, but we have had that system forever. Many years right. ago, there were about 22 states that had a weight mile tax system. They've all, except for Oregon, moved away from that and moved to a fuel tax. So we have tried over the past several years to have that discussion here in Oregon. And there just seems to be this concept that that's the fairest way for us to pay our taxes. Uh, but it apparently isn't because it has led to this great um, inequity for heavy vehicles as of late. And, and every two years we have what's called a highway cost allocation study. It's a very complicated study but we project what projects ODOT's gonna be doing off their STIP, their statewide transportation improvement plan. And then those projects get allocated to light vehicles or heavy vehicles. And then those costs then are calculated as to who owes what in order right. to make those projects happen. When we did the transportation package in 2017, we didn't know what the STIP was gonna be. Yeah. So how could we appropriate appropriately assess what the rates ought to be. And that's right. kind of the heart of the issue today. Yeah. And so um, that's one of the things you mentioned. Um, you know, I, I, I heard your other pod or a podcast with Lars Larson and some of the um, articles and, and uh, social media posts that you guys are, have posted and talked about that there, the state has its own biennial uh, study to try to make sure things are fair. The, the Congress, Oregon Congress, or Oregon um, law says it needs to be fair. There's studies that happen every two years to make sure it's fair. And what, 2019 to 2021 study, it was about a 3% truckers overpaying. Not horrible. Three and a half. It was three and a half three, and, three and cars half. were underpaying one and a half. So yep. there you go. Yeah. And the spread started then. Yep. Spread started, then it went to 16%. Uh, and then now it's anticipating 32% overpaying for, for truckers, right? Correct. That's, yeah, a, that's and, a big number. It's, yes. it's about $193 million a year. And so when I talk to policymakers who are in no hurry to fix this, because they're also aware that ODOT is short of funding, and so the concept of taking that money away is hard for them to fathom as well. Um, if they don't address this until 2025, which is what, what they've been promising me when they talk about a transportation package in 2025, by the time they get around to fixing this, we will have overpaid in excess of a half a billion dollars. Yep. That's a big number. That's real Huge money. Huge number. Yes. And so... The state knows that there's a problem. These studies are out there. What are people trying to do anything? I, I think I've, I read that there was a couple of things that were trying to be done, uh, but then they keep failing, right? But what were some of these uh, processes that tried to 
change this system, this unfairness? So one of the co-vice chairs of the Joint Transportation Committee made a request for a special session right around the holidays in order to address this issue and uh, brought the Republican um, House member in his district to sign on with him with that request, but that was denied. Um, it, there weren't enough legislators in favor of that, of actually meeting together and fixing the problem, at least maybe turning those rates back or something like that they could have right. done in the short term. Um, and that, but the concept that came back to me is we're going to fix this in 2025. So there's there was no sense of urgency. So that didn't move forward, and that's stated in our litigation that that yeah. there have been efforts to try to fix it, and the legislature has denied it. And they are the only group that can fix it. This right. isn't something ODOT can fix for us. They are the yes. tax collector. It's the legislature who defines the rates. And I'm curious, we'll walk through the lawsuit and if you win, what that means uh, in a second. Uh, but so you're, the OTA and some of the members are suing the state because of this unfairness and you're basically wanting to get the money back and you want to fix this overtax structure, right? So I think the lawsuit's seeking three things. Can you walk through those? It is. It's, it's uh, seeking um, declaratory judgment, which basically says that we have a right to sue and that we have a real problem and, and it, that this is legit, a legitimate concern. And then yes. it's, it seeks injunctive relief, which would basically say, take that rate increase that happened January 1, 2024 yeah. and, and move it back to what it was previously, where we'd be only overpaying 16%. That that's the second piece of it. And then the first, yeah. third piece is asking for uh, damages. And I did have three companies join OTA in this lawsuit, and they've defined how much they've overpaid in just two years. And it comes close to, for three Oregon small Oregon-based companies, it amounts to close to a million dollars. So you can only imagine how much it really is if all the companies um, had engaged in this. But we did reserve the right in that lawsuit to turn this into a class action lawsuit. That's what I was going to ask next. If you ha end up winning, other companies will probably want to like jump on and, and try to get their money back too, right? Um, yeah, so that makes sense. So, okay, what's the anticipated timeline for the lawsuit? Is it something that could be go through the system in three, six months, a year? Is it something if you win, you'll have to roll back 2024 uh, you know, taxes? What would that look like? Potentially. Well, I don't sue every day, so this is not my area of expertise, but I can tell you that it's likely to take months and potentially years to address this right. lawsuit. Yep. And so it is out there, and the prospect of turning it into a class action lawsuit is out there with the objective of getting the legislature to address the problem. And if yes. they don't, we will continue to follow through on the lawsuit. Yep. So it's a great pressuring tool to make changes happen. And honestly, the pressure has to happen because this 10-year plan is coming up and there's going to be, what, new transportation bill eventually coming through uh, legislation? Is that something that's anticipated relatively soon? The plan for 2025, and that's only yeah. eight years down the road. It's not 10 years down the road. So, okay. yeah. So it um, that that's the expectation from the joint transportation co-chairs is that they'll run a bill next year because uh, they want to finish the projects that were promised. Right. 
That's first and foremost. They they do have a commitment to doing that. Uh, they want to fix and they want to address these inequities. Um, I have talked to them repeatedly for several years now about our system of taxation, the way we pay our taxes. Yes. And finally, um, got them to the point that they're willing to have a conversation about that. And, and I'd like to be able to see us move to a fuel tax rather than a weight mile tax. Um, that's an objective of ours. So who's to say? I don't know if they'll be able to move a package in 2025, but we're certainly going to have all those conversations. Exactly. So that's fantastic. That actually leads us into how do you fix this problem? So obviously the lawsuit, this is this is great news, great pressure. Very excited to sort of see what happens with this because, again, we want fairness uh, for the trucking industry um, and everybody pay their fair share of taxes, right? It just makes sense. But in the end, ODOT still needs more money, right? And so we it, the system somehow needs to change. And I'm curious, like I sort of see three ways, maybe four ways to fix it. One way is just continue with the weight mileage tax, but maybe simplify that. I don't know how realistic that would be. Second would be switching to fuel tax system, which I would love to talk about a little bit more in detail. Um, third would be uh, ODOT wants money. Tolling uh, hasn't happened yet, but tolling the roads. I think, you know, I-5, I-205. I think I heard uh, Highway 26 out in the Beaverton area, Hillsboro. Uh, that road being tolled in some way, I don't know. It's a lot of ideas, but nobody's happy about it. And then... The other one that we could talk about if we have time is vehicle mileage tax. That's uh, being fair. EVs are driving on the roads, but they're not paying at the gas station. Uh, so maybe pay how many miles they actually drive on our roads, having a device in the vehicle. Uh, so I sort of see those as a couple different ways. So it sounds like the fuel tax, switching to a fuel tax system is the best. What would that look like? <laughs> I'm not sure I understand your question. I mean, it would simply be do away with the weight mile tax and impose a fuel tax. Right now, our fuel tax in Oregon is 40 cents. I don't know how much money that would collect. Part right. of the problem is we have not participated with IFTA as a state. Yes. So we don't nice. know how much tax revenue we could even collect if we did a fuel tax. But quite frankly, if we've overpaid over a half a billion dollars, they ought to give us a year or two's grace on that, Right. So I think that would be, it would be great to see what it would take for us to impose a fuel tax. Yes. And of course, there's going to be um, philosophical concerns about that at this, because the, our environmental friends are moving us, trying to move us away from diesel. And so they don't want to rely on fuel taxes. Um, so that'll be a big conflict point there. At the end if, of the day, oh, what this conversation centers on is in general and not just in Oregon, but how do we pay for our transportation needs? Yes. And we have not prioritized transportation for a long, long time. I mean, the fact that we built this whole interstate system in the 50s and 60s, and that was a, a national focus and a national emphasis, but it has been, um, depending on what state you're in and what era you are in in that state, there have been times when no one really cared about roads right. without understanding how important roads are to our economy. And I keep harping on that as a message because the only way Oregon can get itself out of its financial woes 
is to try to grow our economy and roads are an important and an integral part of that. And when we start thinking about carbon and whether or not we should have the privilege of driving a car or not, uh, we need to think about mobility as the important part of the whole economic equation. Uh, so I, I don't know what the magic answer is in general. I can tell you that the fuel tax is probably the fairest form of taxation and the most, the least expensive uh, form of taxation because the collection cost, it's less than 1%. Yes. I can, uh, you know, VMTs, weight mile taxes, it depends on what study you look at in terms of trying to understand what it costs to collect those taxes, but sometimes it's in excess of 30%. If you look at tolling, sometimes tolling, the cost of collection is more than 40%. So That's you got to collect twice yeah. the value of what it is you need to raise in order to be able to have enough money you know, to, to meet your, your financial needs. So those are not efficient forms of taxation. Anything that allows evasion, which they do, is not a particularly efficient form of taxation. Uh, maybe there are software applications that would allow them to reduce evasion. I don't know the answer to that, but I can tell you that most people are not very interested in having the government track where they're going. And that's the premise behind a VMT. Yes. If we had a VMT in Oregon and they didn't have one in Washington and I'm running back and forth across the border and I'm going to collect my miles in Oregon and, and deduct my miles in Washington, who's to validate that, that those the numbers are correct? I mean, I just don't know the answers to all of that. Exactly. And, well, let alone the cost to, I mean, basically you need a device. Truckers are used to ELDs, the telematics in the system, but everyday drivers having a device, you know, it'd be nice to uh, sort of stick it to the everyday driver out there to make sure they have a device in their vehicle tracking their miles. But uh, the cost of rolling that out for everybody would be quite crazy. Um, and I know there's a trial period that's been happening with, uh, uh, I forget the name of it. Or Origo. Origo, that's right. And that's not going to go anywhere unless they force people to go to that. So, I mean, everything is just sort of stalled and wait and see, and uh, it just feels like it's stuck, right? So well, and there is a very anti-road philosophy yeah. that runs through much of our legislative body, too. There, you know, this idea that somehow we need to get out of our cars and get on our bicycles instead, and that'll make us a, a better community. Uh, that doesn't encourage investment in roads and yeah. it doesn't help move freight and commodities. And people moving into the state for companies to continue to move to the state to grow. And you're telling them that, you know, there's going to be more traffic no matter what, if you want. Uh, so yeah, it makes, it makes sense. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, this project, this, this lawsuit, uh, is incredible. It's, it's hopefully going to move the needle, at least on conversations, especially on your end with legislators, uh, at the state capitol. I am curious, what are some of the other projects uh, OTA is working on in Oregon? <laughs> well, <laughs> we're pretty focused on this at the moment. Yep. Um, but we are looking to uh, expand our membership and hopefully this particular lawsuit will help get our name out to a lot of companies that have not participated as an OTA member historically. So we've got a lot of membership efforts going underway. We've got some great events coming up throughout the year um, that really serve 
as a as a terrific training tool and networking tool for people in the industry. Yeah. So we are focused on getting those kind of things together. We have a great new workers comp plan with SAFE that we are trying to advertise and get the word out about. So we have a number of things that are going on here that are all very positive. And so I would encourage your listeners, the ones that do business in Oregon, to consider being part of us. Completely agree. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to stress if you want to help them do more projects, push harder, uh, then, then join the OTA membership and give them that push. If you are in Oregon and, you know, you want to help out, OTA does a lot of events on the state capitol. Go to those events. Have your voices be heard alongside the OTA because when legislators see impact and people complaining, that conversation is a lot easier to have uh, OTA and, and others with legislators. So more impact on that, please. Please go out and support uh, you know, your local trucking association, uh, but especially out there in Oregon as they're doing things. I have one other thing. Luke. Go ahead. Go ahead. And that is I have a little button on the front page of our website if you'd like to help contribute to our legal costs. This is going to be an expensive undertaking and we can use all the help we can get. Perfect. Well, Jana, I, I know we're out of time. So again, thank you so much for joining us. If you want to help uh, in, in, in a small way as well, help push this video out so it can apply some pressure. And you can do that by commenting your thoughts down in the comment section below. Like it, share it. Uh, if you haven't, subscribe to our channel, but get the information out there. That we're going to do our best to help push this because um, we want the message heard that, you know, we're tired of it and we're going to fight for it. So, Jana, again, thank you for being at the forefront of this fight. And uh, as always, to our listeners, stay safe out there.